Welcome to the Couples Healing Podcast, where you'll get the tools for him to overcome his addiction, for her to find healing from the pain that it causes her, and for you to heal your relationship and come back together. I hope that you enjoy and subscribe. Porn addiction destroys self-esteem. And in this video, I wanna share with you three specific strategies that you can implement today to help you to rebuild your self-esteem, find your sense of worth, become more optimistic and confident and hopeful for the future once you apply these strategies. My name is Sam Tielemans and I'm a licensed therapist and I specialize in helping men overcome pornography for good by giving them new tools and strategies so they can find freedom and resolve the root issue at the core. After having worked with hundreds of people, I've seen the damaging consequences that pornography addiction has on somebody's self-esteem and also the self-esteem of their spouse. So often people get stuck in these loops and for somebody who's been struggling with an addiction or unwanted porn use for over five, 10 years, it's not because they don't care. It's not because they're not trying and they haven't been able to overcome it because it doesn't matter to them. So often it's because they just don't have the right information. The first strategy that I wanna share with you today is counterintuitive. It doesn't actually involve you having to create this brand new self-esteem out of thin air. In fact, it's the opposite. One of the biggest barriers to somebody developing and having a strong self-esteem are the negative beliefs that are currently at their core. If somebody believes that they're worthless, that they're not enough, that no matter what they do, they're gonna fail, if they don't belong, if they're unworthy, if they're failures, these beliefs are some of the most painful things that we can have as a human being at our core. And so in order for somebody to develop a healthy sense of self-esteem, it has less to do with building something, but rather focusing on the things that are getting in the way. I remember working with a client who struggled with this belief of not being good enough. And so as we spend some time identifying where, where does this come from? What's this about? When does this show up? What I discovered is that at the core level, no matter what he did, he always felt like he wasn't enough because of some of the experiences that he had when he was young. He didn't really fit in. He had a hard time making friends when he was younger. His parents expected almost perfection from him. They didn't explicitly say that, but no matter what he did, he always felt like he was letting somebody down. He felt like he had this sense of needing to be perfect. And in order for him to be perfect, he had to get everything right. He had to make everybody else happy, which of course is an unrealistic, unachievable standard because there's no way to make everybody else happy because somebody's gonna be unhappy, whether it's mom or whether it's dad. You know, Dad's happy, but mom's not. Or you do well at school, but you fail You know, not doing good enough at sports or whatever the case was, this was his struggle. And no matter what he did, he was always finding himself falling short. As a result of feeling like he wasn't measuring up, he started to feel this sense of low self-worth and he carried around this false identity of not being good enough. No matter what he tried, no matter how well he did, he always found the little thing he didn't do right. He realized intellectually that perfection wasn't a possibility, but still even intellectually knowing that he felt differently. He felt like he did have to be perfect. Whenever his wife got mad at him for any small thing or any big thing for that matter, that anger that he experienced from his wife sent him the message again that he wasn't enough. That no matter what he did, no matter how much money he made, no matter how comfortable life was, no matter how good of a father he was, if he let his wife down in some way, he just felt like he just could never measure up. And so as we started to work together, what I wanted to first help him with was identify when did these situations occur? And specifically, how are you defining what it means to not be enough? And so the, some of the examples that I just shared with you about letting his wife down or not doing a good enough job at work, those were some of the core things that he felt like he was failing at. 
And so as we started to process this together, what we discovered was his belief about being enough was that he couldn't make somebody else unhappy. He had to be somebody who his wife always got along with. Any criticism that she had, any complaints about some of the things that he was doing that maybe irritated her or bothered her, or when they actually got into more serious fights and there was anger and criticism and tension and pain, he felt like if his wife was unhappy, that he wasn't enough, that he hated her. And it was just such a big struggle for him. And so one of the things that we did was help him after we identified, well, this is how he's currently defined it. If somebody else is unhappy, then that means he's not enough. Then we started to break that apart. And we were able to start to challenge that because he intellectually could see, well, okay, I guess that can't be true because if somebody's unhappy, what if it has nothing to do with me? What if it's something that I did, but it wasn't who I am? And as we started to separate his beliefs, his identity from his actions, that's a big part of what helped us to get some traction in this. Because of course, if, you're, if his wife is going to be upset with him, nobody wants to fight with their spouse. Nobody wants to not do a good job at work. But for him, he would identify with whether or not his wife was happy. He would identify with whether or not his boss was happy with his work. And a big part of him finding freedom was to be able to separate himself from his approach. So if his wife was upset, he could then reflect on, okay, well, what's she upset about? Is it because I did or didn't do something? Is it because she's having a bad day? Is it something that has nothing to do with me or my approach or if it's something that's happening within her? Once he started to ask himself these questions, he was able to break free from this idea that his actions were a direct in, in cor- were, were a direct correlation with his worth. And it took some time and it took some practice because again, intellectually, he might have already known, well, there could be other things that contribute to somebody else's unhappiness, whether it's stuff that's going on in their life. So intellectually, he knew that, but through practice, through muscle memory, he was able to start to separate himself from other people. And once he was able to do that, he, he felt like he was in a completely different place because he wasn't beating himself up all the time. As a result of seeing himself differently by removing this negative belief of not being enough, that was a major thing that helped him feel differently about himself. And naturally, without much effort after that process, he started to feel like he was okay. He didn't feel like he had to earn somebody else's approval. He didn't feel like he had to earn his own worth by being a certain way. He was able to just separate himself completely from that and be the person that he was meant to be, which made him feel like he was okay again. This had a tremendous impact on his ability to overcome his addiction. Because for him, one of his biggest triggers was feeling like he wasn't enough. And so once he started to challenge that idea, separate himself from his actions, from how other people saw him, he was able to set himself up in a way that he didn't feel bad all the time and he wasn't beating himself up. So he didn't need to use pornography as a way to cope. So him being able to challenge these negative beliefs about himself actually removed so much of what buried how he did feel about himself. There were many things that he was doing well in life, but these negative beliefs that he had about himself prevented him from actually being able to feel excited about them, feel optimistic, and feel fulfillment of the you know from the things that he was doing. And so that was the first strategy that I wanted to share with you guys because I saw how effective that worked for him and so many other clients that I work with. It's targeting what the negative beliefs are, processing, challenging, and removing them 
So you can start to see yourself differently just by virtue of removing the negative beliefs. Now, this same approach, the same strategy is applicable to a wife who's struggling with negative beliefs. It's the same process. Her identifying why she believes that she's not enough. Her identifying what makes her feel like she's unworthy or that she's not acceptable or that she's rejected as a person or flawed or failing on some level. The same principles and strategies apply. So many women that I work with believe that they're not enough because of what their husband's watching. In her mind, if she was enough, her husband wouldn't be struggling with pornography. But if you listen to any of the other episodes that I've published about this, you'll know that a husband's addiction has nothing to do with his wife. And I know in the beginning that's very, very hard to receive because this particular addiction is so personal. So many women will tell me, you know, if my husband was struggling with anything else, I wouldn't feel so bad. If he had a hard time with alcohol, I would get it. It's a coping mechanism. He's trying to get away from his pain. But if he's struggling with pornography, it just feels so much more personal. A part of the process for a wife to overcome these negative beliefs about herself is to get education. The more she can understand about addiction, specifically with pornography addiction, the more she'll start to hear and learn that this really has nothing to do with her. And so understanding why your husband struggles with this is such an important part for you to be able to challenge these beliefs that it has something to do with you. And the more you can understand about addiction and what drives it, that it's these underlying triggers, it's his underlying beliefs about himself. It's pain that's not being managed in a healthy way. And once somebody can identify what that pain is, get new tools, find new ways to approach and process that and get their needs met in a healthy way, and the needs that I'm referring to aren't sexual needs, their needs about being worthy, their needs about feeling self-esteem, there's needs of overcoming and working through depression. It's working through these emotional challenges so many people have. And once men can do that, there's no need for pornography or any other negative coping mechanism, which again, the more the wife understands this, it's easier for her to start to challenge these ideas, which are again, so heavy for her, which lead her to feel like she's not enough. And so I wanted to share that this same strategy, these same principles apply to both people. And this is one of the ways you can escape these negative beliefs and start to feel good about yourself again. The second strategy that I want to share with you has to do with your relationship. Our relationships, our marriages, or our significant relationships with our spouse or partner are one of the most underutilized resources that we have as human beings. So what I mean by that is that because of how wired we are for close relationships with people that matter to us, they are such a resource for us. But when couples get stuck in this process of struggling with pornography addiction, fighting and arguing, there being criticism and frustration and anger and defensiveness, withdrawing, avoiding. This is what keeps couples stuck in these patterns where they are not able to utilize the marriage as a resource. What's so interesting to me is that when somebody describes self-worth, some of the words that they'll use is confidence, optimism, feeling good about themselves, feeling like they're happy, feeling like they're competent, capable, acceptable. These are the same feelings that we actually experience when we feel love. It's the same emotions, it's the same experience. And that's such an important thing to realize because in our relationships, when somebody knows how to utilize their marriage, utilize their friendships in a way that creates a feeling of love within us, that's a part of what grows us as people. We are not meant to be independent 
in the way that we shouldn't rely on other people for emotional support. That's just not how we're wired. There's literally decades of research that indicate how better we are off as human beings when we have somebody in our corner. We perceive life differently. Literally, our brain changes in how we perceive life in that it becomes more manageable, it becomes less stressful, we feel more confident and competent to overcome the challenges that are in front of us. We as human beings become stronger when we are in pairs. And when we have the strategies and abilities and tools to foster and receive and experience love in our most important relationships, that's a massive part of what builds us up to feel a sense of worth and self-esteem. I remember working with a couple where the wife just recently found out about her husband's addiction. They had conversations about this in the past. Prior to this most recent discovery, it was about four or five years ago that something surfaced. She questioned what he was doing. He revealed that he was struggling, but he promised that he would take care of it. And so after a few conversations, he started to make progress on his struggle, but he didn't go far enough with the process. He didn't resolve the core reason why he was struggling with the issue in the first place. And as a result of that, after about a few months, it resurfaced. And he felt so overwhelmed because he didn't want to hurt his wife again. He saw the damage that it did to her when he did tell her that he was struggling still, that he decided, I, I just have to overcome this on my own. I just don't want to tell her this anymore. And that was this rabbit hole that he went down, this cycle of this spiral rather, where he would struggle. He felt like he had to keep this to himself. He felt awful about what he was doing. He felt like he was failing his wife, which actually set him right back up to the top of the cycle to slip again because he felt so bad about what he was doing and he felt like he couldn't tell her again. He just looped in this pattern where he struggled and it lasted for another few years. It finally came to the surface and she was absolutely crushed by this. And as a result of this discovery, she went into this depression. She struggled for weeks, just feeling this self-loathing. She felt like she wasn't enough. She felt like she wasn't worth him overcoming this addiction for. And he went back into hiding, which caused even more pain for her because she felt like she wasn't even worthy for him to be honest with her. And so after we started working together, one of the first things that we did was help them create a bridge between them two so they could actually start to feel more close to one another so that the husband could share compassion with her in a way that she could receive it. Because they, they often got caught in these fights and arguments and circles that he felt like he wasn't enough. He felt like he was failing her. So he started to shut down. And as a result of him shutting down, he wasn't there for her. And in the moments that she needed him the most, he was just feeling so bad about himself that he wasn't able to comfort her. He wasn't able to show compassion. He wasn't able to care for her in the way that he actually felt for her. These cycles got in the way of them feeling close. And so one of the first things that we did was help give them the tools to communicate in a different way, the tools to exit these cycles altogether so they could actually have conversations that built them up. And when the husband was able to be there for her in a different way, she was able to receive his love and start to take in a part of that. It was easy for them to get stuck in the cycles where she would hear him say, I'm here for you, I care about you. But then her mind would go back to the past and say, well, you didn't care about me then. How come we're still here? Why are you struggling with this if you really cared about me? And this cycle would spin, which would prevent them from feeling the reassurance that was there. And so through the process of the time that we spent together, we worked on helping them communicate in a way that she could receive his love, feel of his compassion, 
and start to feel like, hey, maybe it was, maybe he really did care. Maybe it wasn't that she wasn't enough. They started to challenge these beliefs, work through the reasons why he was struggling with the addiction in the first place. And this is what set them on the path to healing. Most of the work that we did was in that context of helping them give and receive love to challenge these beliefs so that neither one of them was alone in this anymore. As a direct result of them feeling love between each other, their confidence in themselves grew. They started to feel like they were worthy. They started to feel optimistic about the future. They felt confident that they could overcome this problem. And as a result of this, again, this is a part of what built their self-worth was the love that they shared with one another. Now, just to clarify, self-worth doesn't come from somebody else. However, when we feel love, when we feel connected and safe, and close to somebody, again, those feelings mirror that of self-worth. And so the more connected that we feel with our spouse, the better that we're gonna feel about ourselves, because it's the same experience. We feel, when we feel loved, we're excited, we're free, we feel joy, we feel confidence. Again, those are also the same types of feelings that somebody describes when they feel worth. And so though our self-worth doesn't come from somebody else, we can be reminded of our worth. We can feel a sense of closeness and confidence about life when we feel connected to our spouse. And so this is why I wanna make sure that people are working on the relationship by getting new tools to approach their situation. So many people are told in the beginning that they shouldn't do any relationship work. I just completely disagree with the idea that you should do your work separately. While individual work is important, yes, of course, you can't, couples work doesn't replace that. But when couples learn how to communicate with each other, when couples learn how to turn to each other for support and for love and for connection, that's a part of what helps build us as individuals. So I think you can do both things at the same time. You can work on yourself individually and you can work on ways to communicate with your spouse that will actually help you feel seen and understood and like you're not alone. Because when couples can come together in a new way and be there for each other on an emotional level, Again, that's what grows us as people, is feeling that love, feeling connection, feeling like we're safe. The third strategy that I wanna share is that of follow through. When people have these commitments, especially when somebody's struggling with an addiction, they commit to themselves, they're gonna overcome this, they're gonna stop, they're gonna quit. But without addressing it at the core level, without anything that follows up the commitment, by approaching their situation differently and figuring out why they're struggling in the first place, if you're not doing that, it's inevitable that you're gonna fall back into the same cycles if you haven't addressed why you're there. And so when people say, I'm gonna do better and I'm gonna make these commitments and they don't follow through, it erodes their self-esteem. And so in order for somebody to effectively use this strategy, it's not about focusing on outcomes. It's about focusing on the strategies and the process that you wanna put in place. So what I like to do is describe this idea of like micro-commitments. There's an author by the name of James Clear and he wrote this book called Atomic Habits, Atomic Habits and it's phenomenal. It's one of the best habit books I've ever read and in it he talks about micro-commitments and showing up and doing what you say you're gonna do. And he recommends that people don't start by shooting for the moon. It's very, very small things. It might be something around what type of food you wanna eat that day. It might be around exercise. It might be around the amount of time that you wanna spend reading or having conversations with your spouse or spending time with your kids or doing something at work. Whatever you choose to do, pick something that's very, very small. Again, in the book Atomic Habits, he talks about how when people say, I wanna be the kind of person who works out, 
He says, don't start by saying, I'm going to do it six days a week for 45 minutes a day. He said, in the beginning, literally just pick something that's so small as I'm going to set foot into the gym. I'm going to step into the gym. Because once you say, I'm going to step into the gym, subconsciously what that does is it sends a message to yourself that you're the kind of person that follows through. And the first step to becoming somebody who exercises is actually getting into the gym. And then he says, instead of saying, okay, I'm going to work out for 45 minutes. Now I'm here. He says, just step foot in there. And the next layer is I'm going to work out for two minutes. And that might sound silly to say, I'm going to work out for just two minutes. It's not going to do anything. It's not going to change anything. And yes, while your body might not change by doing exercise for two minutes, the focus that we have is following through on commitments. And he says, when you start to become the person that follows through on your commitments and you show up for two minutes, it is easier to layer on top of that the next things that help you become that type of person. It's easier to follow through on the other things that you're focusing on in life. And so what I've found in my own personal life and in the lives of the clients that I work with, there's one client in particular who, when we started working together, he had no motivation. He couldn't follow through on anything. He felt depressed. He felt like anything he tried, he failed at. And so after working on these first two strategies that we described about challenging these negative beliefs of himself, developing these these relationships, this type of relationship with with his wife, where he felt loved, he felt connected, he felt close, we then worked on micro-commitments because he wasn't following through. And one of the reasons why is because his goals were too big. He was too focused on the outcome of, I'm not going to get triggered anymore. I'm not going to struggle with this addiction anymore. When really there's so much in between the outcome and where he was, we wanted to focus on the process. And so one big thing that I encourage people to do is to look beyond overcoming pornography addiction into what kind of life do you want to live? And so as he and I did this exercise, he mapped out the kind of person that he wanted to be. He didn't want to waste time on social media all day long. He didn't want to be not fulfilling his potential. He had things that he wanted to accomplish at work, the kind of relationship he wanted to build with his family. He had things that he wanted to do in life that were far above and beyond just simply not struggling with pornography. And so a part of what we did was map out what does that look like? And what are the small things that you might need to do in order to walk in that direction? And then he started to think through these things. And he said, well, I want to be an involved dad. And so he started to spend time with his kids in a way that felt meaningful and productive and fulfilling. The same thing that he did with his wife. He said, I want to be a good husband, somebody who cares for her, somebody who takes care of her, somebody who can be some, uh, to be a husband that she could rely on. And then he mapped out activities that would support him in that. Same thing at work. He focused on these little micro commitments that helped him become the person that he wanted to be. And after a few weeks, he already started to feel better just because he was following through on these small things. So as you're listening, I would encourage you to pick one of these strategies and focus this week on implementing it. When you pick out a strategy like this, whether it's challenging the beliefs or it's fostering the sense of love in your relationship or picking some micro commitments you know you can follow through on, this is how you start to gain traction. And the more you feel this traction and momentum, the easier it is to continue to follow through, which will continue to build your self-worth which will continue to help you be excited about implementing these strategies and excited for life, which is ultimately what the goal is for all of this work in the first place. It's to feel good about you, be excited for life, and to become the person that you are meant to be. 
Okay, I hope that was helpful. And for any of the men who are listening, I want to invite you to join if you're looking for some extra support and tools and help implementing these uh, tools and strategies so you can fully overcome pornography so that it doesn't have to follow you around anymore. Go ahead and go to uh, www.facebook.com slash groups slash tools to quit. And the link is going to be here in the uh, show notes as well. So I look forward to watching you guys make progress and really overcome this addiction, get this problem out of your life, restore your relationship so you can actually move forward and leave all of this behind you in a way that there's actually closure.